You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number 208. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and today's topic, ooh, this is a good one. That's a good one because it's something that I think impacts or affects most people in their in their fitness journey to some level, to some extent. Now, your relationship with the scale impacts some people more than others, but I think that whether or not you feel like, yeah, I have a pretty good relationship with the scale or I have a terrible relationship with the scale, I think what we're going to talk about and the five things we're going to talk about today are going to be very uh, important and helpful for anybody on that spectrum uh, on wherever you're at, how can we improve that relationship? But before we do that, um, those of you who have left a rating and review on iTunes, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. It really does make a difference for the podcast. And I say this a lot, but it's really true. As a content creator, someone who is putting free content out in the world, that takes a lot of time and energy. And one of the best ways that you can say thank you to a content creator is to share their content and to do things like leave rating and reviews on on iTunes. So if you've taken the time to do that, thank you. And if you haven't taken the time, you know, maybe this podcast episode is the time where you say, yes, I have received value from this and I'm willing to take the two to three minutes to leave a review. Also for my friends who listen on Spotify, Spotify has now added an ability to leave a rating and review. And we looked on there. We didn't really know this had happened. We looked on there and there's already like 45 of you guys who have left ratings and reviews. So that's amazing. Thank you to those Spotify listeners who have done that. And if you're listening on Spotify and you didn't know that you could leave a rating and review, well, now you can. So uh, again, thank you to those of you who have, have done that. It really does mean the world for the podcast. Okay, so why is this such an important topic? Um, I, you know, I kind of led with a little bit of like this impacts most people in their fitness journey to some extent. And uh, I see as a lot of women come into Macros 101 that their relationship with the scale is actually one of the factors that has held them back from the results that they want to be able to achieve. And one of my jobs as a coach is to be able to identify roadblocks or hindrances or things that are preventing you from getting what you say that you want. That's my job as a coach is to be able to spot those, identify them, illuminate them for the client and help the client to remove it. Uh, And so that's what I do in my coaching. Um, I'm always eyes and ears looking for what is keeping this person stuck? What is preventing them from getting the results that they want? How can I identify that, illuminate that for the client, help bring awareness to it, and then help walk the client through overcoming that? And the scale and a person's relationship with the scale is one of those things that I would say for most women coming into Macros 101 is, is, is preventing them from getting the results that they want. And let me explain a little bit why. Uh, most of us uh, 
have stepped on a scale in, in our life. And we have experiences with not only ourselves stepping on the scale, but hearing other people talking about stepping on the scale. For many of us, that started as early as childhood with you're hearing your mother talk about weight or seeing your mother step on the scale or internalizing things that she was saying about her body and internalizing them for you. Um, and then, you know, throughout young adulthood, you know, teenage years, there's a lot that's about weight. I remember being in the grocery store, at, you know, in my like teenage years and seeing headlines about the you know number of pounds so and so celebrity has lost and then as we get older and we start to have interactions with our friends um about weight about bodies about you know fitness journeys that we're on that that idea of weight also is often brought in and so we have a lot of cultural conditioning we have a lot of experience from our childhood for many of us that has formulated our relationship with the scale and by doing that we we use the scale to measure more than what it actually measured measures. So in actuality, the function of a scale is to measure a weight. It is to measure an object's relationship to gravity. That's what the scale measures. And we're going to get into this a little bit later um, as we go through some of the ways that we can start to improve our relationship with the scale. But understanding that uh the problem starts to happen when you use the scale to measure something that it was never intended to measure. Scale measures weight. It measures your relationship to gravity. But what often happens and what sours our relationship with the scale is that we take whatever the scale gives us and we create meaning around it or we create a, another interpretation about what it, what it actually means. So the scale says a number and then we say, oh, the scale is telling me that I'm not good enough. No, it actually just told you a number and you made the leap, the leap in logic. It's kind of like, I was, I was trying to think of a good metaphor or analogy for this. And, and the metaphor that I came up with was it's, it's kind of like going to buy a car and saying, I want, I want the best car on the lot. So I'm going to go around and I'm going to um, measure the length of the bumper on every single car. And whichever one has the biggest bumper is the one that I'm going to buy because that's the best car. Now, it's really easy to see the, the flaws in that logic of like, what connection does the size of the bumper have to like the performance of a car? Like those two things are unrelated. You are using a measurement that is unrelated to the outcome that you want that you want to get, and um, which is the best car. And we can see that that doesn't really make sense, but we do that all the time with the scale. Now, the scale is a little trickier because there is some relationship with the scale to what we would like. And so that, that can be tricky, um, but we're going to tease that out a little bit and help you to kind of still separate those two things in your mind today. Okay, but before we dive into the five things that you can do to improve your relationship with scale, with a scale, I want to talk first about this idea of a relationship because I use that word very, very intentionally. And one of the reasons is, is because we have an idea about relationships in other contexts. So you have a relationship with your mom. You have a relationship with your friend. You have a relationship with your spouse or partner. And we have these relationships and it's really important to understand 
that there is a difference between your relationship with someone or something and what that thing or somebody actually is. A lot of times we will collapse, we collapse down those two things and we think that our relationship with somebody is who they are. When in fact, it's, it is, it is a separate thing. It is outside of who that person is, your relationship with that person. And I, I think about it, um, you know, I think of an example might be my mom and I'm sure you can think about examples in your life, but I think about the relationship that I have with my mom, which is completely different than my mom and her sister's relationship. I see the two of them get together and their relationship is different than my relationship with my mom. And then even in, in greater contrast, I see the relationship that my mom has with my dad and their relationship is a completely different relationship from either my relationship with my mom or her relationship with her sister. My mom is the same person. My mom is, is the same individual. She's still my mom in all of those contexts, with all of those relationships. But those relationships are completely different based on the context and based on who those relationships are with. And the reason that this is so important is because when we can start to separate out the relationship that we have with something with what it actually is, that becomes very powerful. And so I made this point of like what the scale actually is, is something that measures your relationship with gravity. That's what it is. It doesn't change. That's that's, that's, that's what it is. However, our relationship with the scale can be different. And my relationship with the scale can be different than your relationship with the scale and our relationships with it can improve. So if I want to put effort into a friendship, I can improve that relationship over time. It's not static or unchanging or like, that's just the way the relationship is. It's like, no, you can do things intentionally to improve a relationship. And so that's why I use that word uh, relationship when we're talking about the scale, because it is separate from what the scale is. It's your relationship with the scale. So let's dive into thing number one that you can do to improve your relationship with the scale. And this, this one is a little, it's a little backwards and you may think I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I'm not. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So for a while there, I don't see it quite as much as I used to see it. And, and maybe that's because where I run in social circles on, on social media is different. But there, there definitely was a trend there for a while where the hashtag, hashtag toss the scale was trending. And it was the super cool thing to do to like make a video of you taking your scale and throwing it in the trash or running your car over the scale or beating it into a million pieces and, you know, using that hashtag of hashtag toss the scale. And, um, I think it's really important. First of all, I think tossing the scale or separating yourself from the scale or removing yourself from that situation can be part of the process of improving that relationship. For some people, they need that time away from the scale um, they need that distance. They need that like cooling down period. It's like when my children are fighting and I know that <laughs> no rational thought is happening right now. We just need to take a break and we can come back and then we can like rationally discuss this and solve the problem at hand. But in the heat of the moment, sometimes it's not the time to solve that problem. Uh, and so I have a cooling off period. And so if some people need that. They need that like cooling off period where they are able to step away from the scale put it in a, you know, hide it somewhere so that they don't see it so that they can have that period of time. 
However, I also think it's important to recognize that your issues with the scale are a symptom, not a root cause. So if that's the case and the actual problem isn't the scale, if we toss the scale, that doesn't actually solve anything. It's like putting a Band-Aid on something and just like crossing our fingers and hoping that it goes away. But the underlying problem of your relationship with the scale and how you're relating to the scale and what you're telling yourself is still there and will manifest in other ways. I, I often use the analogy of a dandelion where if we say, hey, you know, your relationship with the scale right now is, is, is like a dandelion. And if you just toss the scale, meaning you just go and pick the dandelion and like toss it to the side, that can feel like, oh, I, I fixed this. I got rid of the thing that was causing me pain and causing me suffering. Not recognizing that you, if you do not get rid of the roots, that that dandelion is going to come back and it's going to manifest in other ways. And so a lot of what I'm doing as a coach is helping people to identify the roots of what is causing them pain or what is causing them or preventing them from being able to get the results that they want. And so while tossing the scale or separating yourself from the scale for a period of time can be a beneficial step in the right direction. I like to offer my clients this idea of like a three-step process, almost like step one is like you have a terrible relationship with the scale. Step two, maybe for some people, they need to have a time period, a cooling off period, a time away from the scale. That can be step two, but it's not the final step. The final step is actually healing and improving that relationship with the scale and gaining power over the scale. It's like step one, the scale has power over you. Step two, you like separate yourself from it. And then step three, you come back and you are able to regain that power over the scale. And that's a lot what I'm going to talk about today about improving that relationship. So thing number one that you can do to improve your relationship with the scale for some people, now not everybody needs this, for some people is taking a cooling off period, taking time away from the scale to cool off before you come back and start to work on healing this relationship that you have. Okay. So thing number two, and this would be, you know, whether you're working on this now or you're working on this after maybe a cooling off period, uh, step number two is to make the number that pops up on the scale, a data point. We talk a lot in Macros 101 about moving from the dieter mindset to the scientist mindset. And with that comes an understanding that just like a scientist gathers data and analyzes the data and uses it to inform the future, we can and should be doing that same thing with our body. And so when we can start to utilize the scale for what it is, something that measures our weight, our relationship with gravity, uh, as, as just, that's a data point. It's, it's not the whole picture. Um, it is one data point that can inform us a little bit about what's going on. Now, the problem is, is that a lot of women utilize the scale as the only data point to figure out what's going on. And just like I was talking about the, how there's, you know, there's not a huge relationship between the size of a car's bumper and the performance of the car. It's the same thing. While our weight can give us some information about what's going on, making conclusions about whether our body's responding, whether it's not, whether we need to make adjustments, whether we don't based off of one single number is, is incomplete. 
if you remember back to, I don't know, when did we learn this? High school, middle school? <laughs> when you learned scatter plots? I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's elementary. I don't know. I sometime at my, in my youth learned about scatter plots. And if you remember, scatter plots are where you have a bunch of different num or a bunch of like different da- data points. And then with, you know, all those data points, you can look and see, oh, what's the trend, right? Where, where is, where is the data going? And not all of those data points will fall exactly on the line, but it can show you a general trend. You cannot make a scatter plot with a single data point because if you just have a single data point, this actually, my son asked me this question yesterday. He came home and he was like, mom, how many, um, ways can you like cut a circle? And I was like, infinite infinite number. And he, that was like blowing his mind. He was very, really wanted to talk this through about how that was actually true. Cause he was very finite in his mind. But the truth is if, if you have a point, you can draw an infinite number of lines in that one data point. And that is what a lot of people are doing is they're using one data point and they're trying to draw a line indicating where they're going and it's incomplete alone by itself. And so this is why I really encourage the use of other data points, measurements, um, progress pictures, um, doing things like uh, I teach the miracle scale inside of Macros 101, where we're looking at other uh, things outside of even physical indicators that are helping us to see which way we're going. Um, Things like the amount of stress that you're you're, um, feeling or how, you know, there's just so many like data points that we can be can and should be looking at that is just outside of that one data point of the scale. So step number two of ways that you can prove your relationship with the scale is to start to view it as a data point. Step number three, and really these aren't steps. <laughs> this is not like you do one, two, three, four. This is really, it's just five different ways that you can improve your relationship with the scale. So way number three is to start to turn Uh, frustration into fascination. Just like when my kids are in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the argument, um, they aren't thinking very clearly. Most of us, when we get really emotional and really worked up about something, our frontal cortex, where our, our decision, logical part of our brain kind of shuts off. And we know that we don't make super good decisions in the heat of the moment, which is why road rage is a thing. It's why like, you know, people getting in fights at bars are a thing because when we get all worked up and emotional, we make really dumb choices. And so if you have had the experience where you step on the scale and it makes you feel something angry, frustrated, disappointed, like confused, all of these like negative emotions, what often happens is people then make decisions about the rest of their day in the heat of the moment when they are feeling all of those negative emotions. And I, and I know that some of you guys can relate to this where you'll step on the scale, the scale will be down, you'll feel frustrated, you'll feel discouraged, or sorry, the scale will be up and you'll feel frustrated and discouraged. And that will impact how you eat the rest of the day or whether you go to the gym or whether you track your food or whether you do anything. Or those days that you get on the scale and it's down, you're super excited, you're spot on, you're like, oh, let's go, I'm doing this. And like, you're all in. So you're making decisions from this very emotional place. Um, and when we can turn that frustration that we get sometimes with the scale into more of a curiosity, into more of a fascination, into more of a, ha, huh, this is interesting. What's going on here? What else could be impacting this scale other than the fact that I gained or lost fat? And truth be told, there's a lot. 
that can impact the scale. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But when we can move from frustration in the moment, in the heat of the moment, making decisions from that place and move to a place of curiosity and fascination, our, our brain can kind of calm down. We can take kind of a time out. We can get curious about it and we can make much better decisions moving forward from that place of fascination and curiosity than you will ever make from that place of discouragement, frustration. So way number three that you can improve your relationship with the scale is to turn frustration into fascination. Way number four is um, helping you to understand the science behind weight loss. Now, this harkens a little bit back to what I was talking about, about the scale being a data point and, and really the scale being able to measure your weight, which is not the same thing as the amount of fat on your body. Did you hear that? I know that sometimes even we think that intellectually we know this, that your weight is not the same as the amount of fat on your body, but we often still forget it. And we, we say things to ourselves like, I stepped on the scale and I lost a half a pound, which means I lost a half a pound of, of fat. Woohoo! When in reality, that may or may not actually be what happened. Was that pound, half a pound water? Was it some muscle? Was it fat? Um, you know, it could be a, a, it could be any of those. And it probably more likely is a combination of all of them. Same thing when you gain weight, we've all come back from vacation and had the experience where like the pound, the scale is like five, seven, nine pounds up. And you're like, what the, Hey, I gained nine pounds of fat in the last week. No, you didn't gain nine pounds of fat in the last week. You're probably retaining a ton of water because you ate more carbs, because you had more salt, because you didn't sleep as well, because you've been traveling, like all of these reasons. But in our mind, we often have this very direct link between our weight and the amount of fat that is on our body. And so we get into this pattern of if the scale's up, I've gained fat. If the scale's down, I've lost fat. And neither of those are 100% true which is why we need to be able to gather all these other data points like, like we already talked about earlier in the episode. So when we really start to understand that weight is not the same as fat and that weight loss does not equal fat loss and weight gain does not equal fat gain, that there's other factors that can be involved there, it starts to improve the relationship we have with the scale. I can't tell you the number of times that I've had women who have had this aha moment when they realize that their goal is to gain muscle and they were trying to do that without gaining weight because they had this idea that anytime the scale went up, that was bad. That was like them gaining fat. When in reality, muscle weighs something. If you want to make more muscle on your body, it has to go somewhere. It has to weigh something. And so of course, part of like going through a bulk is going to be seeing your weight go up. And for a lot of women that can be really hard because in the past they've equated their weight going up with adding fat to their body. And we have to separate and tease out those things because they do not mean the same thing. One thing I also think is really interesting, and I taught this to my Macros 101 clients in this in this last round, and there were so many people who 
this was like the first time they'd ever heard it. So uh, I'm going to share it here because I think it's really valuable to understand this. Now, for anybody who's listening, who's actually like a scientist and like studies this and is really into like biochemistry and stuff, just know I'm keeping this like super high level. So I'm going to generalize the heck out of this. I am going to like go big picture the heck out of this and just understand that it is pretty intricate. There's a whole lot of, you know, biochemistry going on in your body in this process. And so, um, this is not the place for that. So don't come at me saying, Oh, you said this wrong. Or you said this wrong. I am giving a big picture overview right now, but let's talk about how fat actually leaves your body. Because I think that people don't understand this. They don't know how fat leaves your body. And if I asked you that question, okay, when you lose fat, where does it go? What would you say? Like, where does it go? The law of conservation of energy means that we can neither create nor destroy energy. It just gets changed in its form. So where does the fat go? It's a really interesting question to think about. The answer is that it is turned into carbon dioxide and water. So fat actually gets broken down into carbon dioxide and water. And that is how it leaves your body. It leaves in the air you exhale, right? The CO2 in your exhale. And it leaves peeing out in the, in the form of water. So why is that important to understand? One, I, I think it's always helpful to understand at least a high-level understanding of the science because it can help to explain phenomenons that we see a lot of times in our journey, but don't really grasp why that is a very normal part of the process. And so one of the things that is a very normal part of the process is to not see a linear drop-off in weight or, yeah, a linear drop-off in weight, right? So it's not weight loss and fat loss. So I would say... Fat loss can be linear, but it is not often reflected linearly in your weight. And the reason is, is because, one, because your weight measures way more than just the amount of fat on your body, but also because when your body converts fat into you know, carbon dioxide and water, that doesn't leave your body like right away, especially the water. The water can like hang out in your body for a while before it gets flushed out with your kidneys. And so we, you may have heard of the, the whoosh effect. This is this effect where it's like, you see like the same weight, same weight, same weight, and then you see a drop. And then it's like same weight, same weight, same weight, same weight, drop. That is your body, not necessarily like not losing fat, not losing fat, and then losing fat. It's you're losing fat during that period of time, but it's not reflected in the scale until that whoosh where your body is like, okay, let's get rid of all of this water. And then we see a a drop in the scale. Now, (laughs) a lot of people's minds start going to, well, if that's true, then we just need to like pee more and we just need to breathe more. And there have been people who have like tried to, to, work the equation backwards and be like, if we just breathe more CO2, then we're going to like burn more fat and just know that it doesn't really work that way. (laughs) The equation goes fat byproducts become carbon dioxide and water. Those get extreated, but it's not like peeing more is going to make you lose more fat or breathing more is going to make you lose more fat. Okay. It's just the way that your body gets rid of those things. So understanding that and understanding that science can really help with improving your relationship with the scale of understanding that it, it doesn't 
mean that you gained or lost fat. It is a single data point that gives a little bit of context, but it does not give you the whole big picture of what's going on. And the last way that you can improve your relationship with the scale is to figure out the meaning that you are creating around that number on the scale. Now, we've talked about a very common meaning that a lot of people give that number on the scale, and that is, you know, a number going down means I've lost fat, means I'm going in the right direction. A number going up means I've gained fat, means I'm going in the wrong direction if fat loss is your goal. And we've kind of debunked that and helped you to see that that, that there's not a one-to-one relationship with the number on the scale and the amount of fat that you have on your body. And that can be very helpful. The more insidious part of the scale is, is beyond that. It is beyond just this assumption that weight loss and fat loss are the same thing, but it is actually getting into the deeper issues, which is the meaning that we give about ourself based off of the scale. One of the things that I notice is that so often when we say things, there are things left unsaid that we're thinking. So let me give you an example. I was driving my son to school today and he has late start. We have late start on Wednesdays. So I was driving him to school today and we were driving down the road and he said, I have, there's like, we were like almost to school and he's like, I have 15 minutes before school starts. And I was like, okay, (laughs) okay, like what's the ending to that sentence, right? Because he was not just commenting that there was 15 minutes till school start. He, there was meaning behind that. There was something he was not saying, whether he was excited he was early or whether he was mad that he was early or whether whatever, there was something that was like left unsaid after that. I'm 15 minutes early. And so I said, what, what does that mean? Like, what, what is behind that? And he was like, oh, it's just like, you know, I don't love being early and I don't, I don't have anything to do and, and all of these things, right? So I like kind of coaxed it out of him of like, what was that thing that was left unsaid? And this happens a lot where we say things and then there's other stuff that we don't actually communicate and we expect people to read our minds and right, there's a whole lot of problems with that as a communication style. But the tricky thing that I've found is that we also do that with ourselves. And this is a lot more insidious where we, when we are in our self-talk, sometimes it's blatant and sometimes it's obvious, but more often than not, it is very insidious. And we don't, we don't consciously realize the things that we are not, that are left unsaid. So for example, we get on the scale, the scale is up. We feel terrible about ourselves. Um, we're really frustrated. We're really upset. And, and that's it. That's all we kind of acknowledge or realize. And we think, oh, it's just because I'm not going in the direction that I want to go. And that's why I'm upset. When in reality, there is something that is left unsaid that you are that is still in your brain. And a lot of times that is related to worthiness, enoughness, wholeness. And so it becomes this link between the scale is up, and that means I'm a failure. The scale is up and that means I'm never going to be good enough. The scale is up. That means nobody's going to love me. The scale is up. That means I'm worthless. And a lot of times we don't say those things out loud, even in our brain, like even in our brain, most of us aren't walking around saying the scale is up, which means I'm worthless. We just say the scale is up and it feels really crappy and I hate the scale. 
But when we look at like what is left unsaid and we start to investigate it a little deeper, oftentimes the meaning that we've created around the scale has much more to do with us, our importance, our worth, our ability to achieve results, our ability to change our circumstances and and the results that we're getting. And that is why I say, if you throw out the scale and don't address those deeper issues of not feeling good enough, feeling unlovable, feeling like you don't deserve things, feeling like you're not worthy, tossing the scale isn't going to fix those things. It makes you feel like, oh, I, you know, oh, I'm, I'm taking care of my mental health. I'm like, I'm getting rid of the problem, but the actual problem is not the scale. This, the actual problem is the meaning that you're creating about it, about yourself. And you're using the scale to measure something that it can't measure. The scale cannot measure your worth. The scale cannot measure your enoughness. The scale cannot measure like people liking you or accepting you. The scale can't measure any of those things. And yet in many of our minds, that's exactly what we let it do. And that's why it feels so terrible to us when we get on the scale is because we've created this world where this piece of metal, this piece of plastic that measures our relationship to gravity, we're extrapolating it and letting it measure how good we are. All right, so that's it. Five ways to improve your relationship with the scale. Number one, uh, tossing the scale, maybe for a period of time, having that cool off period for some people. Um, Number two, making it a single data point and making sure you're gathering multiple data points to figure out what's going on with your body. Number three, turn frustration into fascination. Number four, understand the science behind weight loss and that fat loss and weight loss are not the same things. And number five, figure out that meaning that you're creating around the number. If you are interested in figuring more about this or personalizing it to you or figuring out, well, how do I figure out, Amber, the meaning that I'm giving to the scale, especially if I'm hiding it from from myself, then that's exactly what we do inside of Macros 101. Macros 101 only opens twice a year and we've already closed down doors to the spring round. So get on the first to know list uh, where once you put your name and your email on this, make sure you're opening on my emails because you will be the first to know when we open doors to Macros 101 again in the fall. You can do that by going to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash waitlist and just plug your name and email, open my emails. <laughs> People get on the waitlist and then I don't get it. They don't open my emails and then they get mad at me when they miss <laughs> the round opening. So that is the best way that we communicate with people is through email of course, you can watch on my Instagram and, and Facebook and you know the podcast, but man, it is, it is easy to miss uh, things like a four-day opening to Macros 101 uh, on Instagram because stinking Instagram just like doesn't show you everybody's content. <laughs> so anyway, that's neither here nor there. But if you are interested and you want, you're like, Amber, I want to I dive deeper into this. I want to figure out what is the meaning that I'm giving to the scale? How do I analyze the data points from my body, right? Because we talked about making making the, the scale a single data point, but how do we look at all of those data points? How do we make conclusions about our body? And then once we've made conclusions, how do we make adjustments and changes? Those are all the things that I walk you through inside of Macros 101. 
So if you're interested, bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash waitlist to uh, get on the first in-line list for the opening in the fall. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go on and be strong because remember, my friend, you can do anything. Hey, friend, have you heard the news? We have a Biceps After Babies Radio insider list. If you love Biceps After Babies Radio, you don't want to miss a thing. Head to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash insider to join the group. You'll be the first to know all things about the podcast, see some behind the scenes, and get special messages from yours truly. We want to make this a special community for those who are fans of the podcast. And last, did this episode particularly resonate with you? If so, will you please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your family and friends why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at Biceps After Babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And, you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.